We used to say that the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth was six to nine months. It would appear that that timeline is accelerating. I have here in my hand an article from the New York Times published on October 3rd. Headline, how a tiny elections company became a conspiracy theory target. This is by Stuart A. Thompson. These are the first sentences of the article. At an invitation-only conference in August at a secret location southeast of Phoenix, a group of election deniers unspooled a new conspiracy theory about the 2020 presidential outcome. Using threadbare evidence, or none at all, the group suggested that a small American election software company, Kanech, had secret ties to the Chinese Communist Party and had given the Chinese government backdoor access to personal data about 2 million poll workers in the United States, according to online accounts from several people at the conference. Goes on and on about the conspiracy theory. Okay. That's October 3rd, New York Times. Stuart Thompson. October 4th. <laughs> October 3rd. October 4th. October 4th. Also by Stuart Thompson. Election software executive arrested on suspicion of theft. <laughs> this is the first, the first sentences. I'm not even picking each. The top executive of an elections technology company that has been the focus of attention among election deniers was arrested by Los Angeles County officials in connection with an investigation into the possible theft of personal information about poll workers, the county said on Tuesday. And what happened? Where'd they find the data? Mr. Gascon's office said its investigators had found the data stored in China. <laughs> ah! It's, it's the same paper. It's the same story. It's the same paper. It's the same writer. It's 24 hours apart. It, forget the same week or the same. It's October 3rd, October 4th. And yet, when you look at the October 4th article, not a hint of an apology. No oops. No official correction. Just uh, move along. Yeah, move along. Yeah, yeah. The thing we said that didn't happen yet. Okay, it happened. Yeah, move along. Move along. Nothing to see here. No, no, we have nothing to apologize for. On to the next dishonest attack. It's a reminder, especially as we head into the midterms, that when Democrats start harping on some conspiracy theory, when Democrats really spend a lot of time and energy attacking some so-called conspiracy theory, you can be almost certain that the conspiracy theory is correct. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from the drummer's workshop at Norm's Music. He had it yesterday too. This guy is good. This guy's good. He says, on the next Scooby-Doo episode, Velma goes to Russia to try to save Brittany Griner. ruh <laughs> It's true, of course, because what the left has to do because the left can't create anything of its own and its narratives are, are preposterous and its agenda is deeply unpopular. What they have to do is go into beloved institutions and beloved characters and beloved stories and then just rip their guts out, cut, slice them open, rip out their guts, then climb inside them like invasion of the body snatchers and use those beloved characters and institutions to, to parrot their own unpopular and incoherent narratives. That's what they have to do. That's, that's the only way it's going to work. So that's true. Of course, we're going to see that we're going we're to see that next week. 
Mickey Mouse talking about the importance of transing the kids. Actually, they already did that one. They actually, <laughs> they already, wow. Truth is stranger than parody. The news is stranger than satire these days, I suppose. You know, with all of this craziness, and especially with these attacks for, for holding perfectly ordinary views, common sense views, you really are going to want to protect your data. That's why you've got to check out ExpressVPN. Head on over to expressvpn.com slash Knowles. How much time do you spend on your phone every day? What do you do on your phone every day? I don't know. I would say, what do you spend, 23 and a half hours on your phone? <laughs> you're, doing, you're sending messages, texting, calling, looking up stuff online, shopping. Well, here's what's pretty scary. Your phone carrier is collecting data on everything you're doing. Verizon has even admitted to it. They say it's so that they can better understand your interests. Really, all they want to do is sell your activity to advertisers. Stuff like the sites you visited, what you've been up to online. That's why I use ExpressVPN. You should use it too. ExpressVPN is an app that prevents your phone carrier from being able to see all the sites you visit and sell it off to third parties. All it takes is one tap of a button and all of your network data get encrypted and rerouted through ExpressVPN's secure servers for ultimate privacy. One subscription can be used on up to five devices at the same time when your phone carrier tracks you. That is a gross invasion of your privacy. You can either keep letting them cash in on you or visit expressvpn.com slash Knowles to get the same VPN that I use and trust. Take back your online privacy today. Use my link to get three extra months for free. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Knowles. Expressvpn.com slash Knowles. A lot of conspiracy theories going around, and a lot of them are being proven correct. Here's a conspiracy theory. Do you remember? There's this conspiracy theory, right-wing, extreme, dangerous theory that schools are trying to trans your kids. And initially, the libs said, this is not true. The schools are not transing the kids. This is not being taught in school, and it's good that it is. Huh? Yeah, it's not. The schools are not, first of all, they're saying they're not teaching transgenderism and LGBT ideology. That, it was pretty clear pr very quickly. You just look at the curricula, you look at the libraries. Yes, they are teaching that. Okay, well, it's good that we're teaching that. Next, but they're certainly not trying to actively inculcate these, these beliefs in your child, to cultivate and groom, really, these sexual orientations and behaviors in your child. There's, that's definitely not happening until... Until we have a top national school psychologist who is uh, now part of a group offering to resettle kids with queer parents. Not their parents. They're going to take the kids away from the kids' parents and resettle them with homosexuals and other members of the queer community. This is the chairman, chair lady, I guess, of the National Association of School Psychologists LGBTQ Committee admitting that uh, she wants to put parents in their place to rehome, as she says, gay youth. The group's resources for outed students section advises, quote, students who are facing familial rejection or who need to leave their home for another reason. Just, let's just put a pause there. What do you mean need to leave their home for another reason? So familial rejection is saying the kid was thrown out of the house. Where are the kids going to go? Okay, that's one issue. It's a complicated issue, but that's one issue. But what about students who need to leave their home for another reason? Specifically for sexual reasons. Um, what is, those people are, quote, encouraged to reach out to Amy, she, her, immediately 
They, and I think it's confusing, they do this now because they use a plural pronoun to refer to individuals, but they, I think that means she, works with Safe Space Nova. They are an adult. I'm just going to translate this into English. She works with Safe Space Nova. She is an adult and can provide you with much more information. She's also confidential. Saying that PLP, the Pride Liberation Project that uh, we're talking about here, could rehome students who don't like their parents, as well as pay them money and have an adult pick them up to take them to their new lives. Group said it could provide false documentation to hide children's whereabouts while they participate in the gay activities and hide them from their parents. Quote, in the event of you needing to leave your home, we can provide you with emergency housing from a supportive, queer-friendly adult. We will work with other supportive adult organizations in the region to find you someone who can provide you a kind and affirming home. I try not to take cheap shots, especially at the marginalized, same-sex attracted sort of people who are sexually confused. And I, and I, I, I do that because I think it's so easy and, you know, I, I think to, to smear these people as all being kind of pedophiles or criminals or something is not a nice thing to do. And so I generally try to avoid it. It's really hard to read this and not think that these people are sick, perverted pedos. It's really hard when you've got these, these people, these predators who are working with predators in the schools and school psychologists and these, these organizations and these nonprofits to target these kids who are having fights with their parents or who maybe they're just going through a rough period with their parents as all teenage kids do and say, hey, leave your home. We'll pay you to leave your home. We'll give you money. We'll have that adult out there in that creepy white van. He'll come and pick you up and he'll take you to the nice, really nice home of a really nice queer man and he'll take good, good care of you. It's really hard to read that in, in a charitable way. I think the most charitable way you can read that is these people are sick, and obviously perverted, and probably predators, right? When you have that kind of an interest in someone else's 12-year-old, something's wrong, okay? When you've got that kind of an interest in someone else's 12-year-old's sexual desires and behavior, something is wrong with you, and you need to seek help, and you probably need to be kept away from polite society. Just a conspiracy theory, though, right? Right? No, no, we're not. We're not trying to trans and queer your kids. And that's why we're sending that creepy, creepy old 40-year-old Billy over there in the white van. Good old Billy from where he's the one wearing the leather vest. Yeah, he's gonna just come pick up your 12-year-old and, and take him away from you and hide him and give him money and talk about sexuality with him, right? Yeah, it's a total conspiracy theory though, right? You want to talk about another conspiracy theory? You remember, again, on the transgender topic, we were told, no, 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 there no hospitals or transing the kids. This is completely ridiculous. No one is, the the transgender surgery is for adults, people over 18. Okay, maybe some 17-year-olds. Okay, maybe some 16-year-olds. Okay, maybe some 13-year-olds. Okay, actually, and you've got it in in the reporting from people like Libs of TikTok and the handful of other actual journalists out there. Oh yeah, actually, these kinds of procedures and chemicals and cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, these are being given to kids who are much much younger. Well, there's some good news on that front. The governor of Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt, signed a bill that prohibits gender transition services for children at the at an Oklahoma pediatric hospital. Okay, so that's good. And it's because the hospital is reliant on state funds. So he can say, okay, we're not going to pass on 
certain funds that, that we are in possession of that might come from the federal government too. But he wants to go further because it doesn't actually outlaw this. It hopefully will stop it and put a lot of pressure on it. But he says, I'm calling for the legislature to ban all irreversible gender transition surgeries and hormone therapies on minors when they convene next session in February 2023. Now, there's a little bit of wiggle room here. Irreversible, I wouldn't, because the, the libs are going to dispute that it's irreversible, even though it usually is. But it, he's obviously moving in the right direction. This is good. You just got to watch the language. He says, we cannot turn a blind eye to what's happening all across our nation. And as governor, I will not allow life-altering transition surgeries on minor children in the state of Oklahoma. Great stuff. I strongly applaud you, Governor Kevin Stitt. Hey, other Republican governors, where are you? Where are the rest of you? I know that some Republican governors are making movements on this front right now. Let's do it. Let's get it done. I don't even want to wait until the next legislative session. Let's get it done right now. Because the longer this goes with those Republican governors not doing this, the more I'm starting to think they're squishes. The more I'm starting to think they're fine with transing the kids. We know some of them are. Asa Hutchinson, he's a fake Republican governor in Arkansas. He's fine with transing the kids. Okay, don't be like Asa Hutchinson. Be like, be like Governor Stitt. Do not be like Governor Hutchinson. Okay, we're going to have to do this stuff ourselves, folks. We're going to have to make our voices heard and make sure that our representatives do what is right here. When you want to fix your car yourself, you got to check out rockauto.com. Right now, go to rockauto.com and write Knowles in there. How did you hear about us box? Did you know that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they are reliably low. I love that these guys don't get gimmicky and on Tuesday, save 20% and on this day. No, it's just always the lowest prices possible. They are always giving you a fair rate, whether you're a pro, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything that you need with just a few easy clicks delivered straight to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is super easy to navigate, so easy even I can do it. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck. Head on over there right now. Why wouldn't you go to rockauto.com? Check out all those parts available for your automobile, rockauto.com. And then be sure to write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. All these crazy conspiracy theories that just all turned out to be true. Yes, they are indoctrinating kids into the weird LGBT stuff. Yes, they are encouraging kids to engage in this kind of behavior and, and indulge these sexual identities. Yes, they are overtly transing the kids. This is all happening. And one of my colleagues has made a, a jihad out of this issue. <laughs> And that would be my colleague, Matt Walsh, who has an excellent movie on the subject, What is a Woman? He's putting a ton of pressure, media pressure, on politicians here in the state of Tennessee and around the country to change these laws. I think he's been very, very effective at that. He's doing a really good job. So what happens? What happens when you pose a threat to the establishment? Here's the hit piece. Here we go, baby. This is good from our, uh, our good friends over at Media Matters, our publicists. Uh, we've got Matt Walsh's sordid history as a radio host exposed. As the co-host of the Matt and Crank program, Matt Walsh defended political violence and teen pregnancy. He shocked an intern with a stun gun. So just on that, that last one right there, that's funny. That's good. I think actually... I think that builds character when you can, I know it's not permitted in every jurisdiction now, but I think the interns would get a lot better work done if you could every once in a while just kind of zap them, you know, but 
Okay, I don't, I, again, I no context here, right? He performed racist impressions of black men. Ra- well, everything that conservatives do is racist, according to these people. So, okay, he did that. And he said that we, we probably lost our republic after Reconstruction. Okay. So I went through, I'm not going to go through this. Whole, this article is so long. And it would be kind of weird for me to read our publicists' work on the air, right? My job here is to just be on the air, and then our publicists at Media Matters can put it all out there. But I, but I went through it. I went through it. I said, okay, what's the best they got? What's the best they got on this guy? Uh, dig it up. Let me see, baby. This is the one. Matt's just launching his kind of Stop Trancing the Kids tour right now. So this is the day that's obviously timed to be a, a political attack. What do they got? And I'm looking through it all. It's, it's just stuff that he... Other than, you know, stupid jokes like you shock the intern or something. It's just generally just stuff that he still talks about. Matt Walsh says there's a great replacement theory. He talked about that on Backstage like a week ago. Matt Walsh believes that we shouldn't trans the kids. Uh, Yeah, that's true. So it's basically the big big headline here is uh, Matt Walsh continues to believe the things that he says he (laughs) he believes. And that's the best they got. I thought that's pretty amazing. If this, you got a whole research team, Media Matters funded, you know, with a lot of money. This is the best they could do. I don't know. I don't know. I think I could probably dig up better stuff on Walsh. That's pretty, pretty weak stuff. But what's it really about? It's not about Matt Walsh. It's not about this local radio show that he was on 10 years ago. It's not about, it's not even about the poor intern who, who apparently was shocked on camera or something. By the way, I, I was almost electrocuted three days ago. When, when I had the labor simulator on my abs for 20 minutes. No one, no, I don't hear any, any lamentations for me. Where's my pity piece in Media Matters? No, only for the interns do they get that. But uh, regardless, it's not about Matt. It's not about any of that stuff. This is about shutting down the hospitals. All, the, all this info has been out there forever. We've, we've all had our shows for years. This is because right now, Matt is trying to shut down these pediatric gender clinics. And because he, he at the moment is one of the big faces of it, they're just going to go after him because they, they really don't want to shut down the hospitals. And they don't want to shut down the, and when I say hospitals, I mean quack, shaman, witch doctor, mutilation, pervert boot camps where they take confused kids and then chop off their body parts and pump them full of the wrong hormones and things like that. So obviously these things should be shut down. Why are the libs pushing for it? There's the, I've said it on the show for days now. Well, I've said it for longer, but I've been focusing on it for the past few days. There's an ideological component the libs really do want to upend the world. The libs actually hate reality as it is. That The libs hate norms and traditions and standards in the moral order. So they want to invert all of that. It's, uh, it's that line that Democrats quote all the time, going back to JFK, that is actually a quote from George Bernard Shaw's play cycle, Back to Methuselah, which is actually a quote from The Serpent in the Garden of Eden, Tempting Eve. And the line is this, Some people see things that are and say why. I dream things that never were and say, why not? And that's, that's the distinction right there, right? Conservatives are looking at the way things are and they're saying, why? Why do things work this way? What is it? What is human nature really like? What is the world? What, what, what are we here for? What is the purpose of all these things, right? And the libs look at the world and they say, I hate this. I want to I remake all of this. I want to be as gods, as, uh, you know, ye shall be as gods, is the line from the serpent in the Garden of Eden tempting Eve. And it's a line that Whitaker Chambers 
after he had left communism, famously said that's, that's the beginning of communism. That's the beginning of this kind of radical leftism. That, so that's, that's really what it's all about. That's the ideological side. Then there's the financial side, which is these, these gender hospitals, these, these quack procedures generate a ton of money. And, and so it's not just the radical kind of communist leftist element. There's a cold, hard cash capitalist element here too, which is that big corporations are going to make a lot more money if they, if they convince people to take these, quote, the words of public health administrators, big moneymaker surgeries and procedures that then get them on a subscription plan of hormones and, and fix-me-up procedures for the rest of their lives. And so if you can start someone on that at 20, that makes some amount of money for big pharma. What about if you can get them on at 16? What about at 12? What about at 8? That's more and more money for, a, for a very expensive procedures for a much longer time. So yeah, they're going to go after them because it's what they believe in their own kind of perverted views of the world, but it's also because there's big money on the line as well. Speaking of dredging up the past, there's a story that broke a couple days ago about Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker. Also, you know, sports legend, just absolute, you know, OG kind of very, very popular guy in the culture. Now he's running for Senate as a Republican. So here, here are the attacks on Herschel Walker. His son, came out and tweeted out how angry he is at Herschel and he doesn't like Herschel and he doesn't think Herschel should have run for Senate and Herschel's a bad father and he walked out on them and he slept with all these women and he was this big, domineering, scary guy. And okay, so that's, that's from the Sun. And then the second attack, which I think is, is a bigger deal, is there's an allegation published in the Daily Beast, which is a left-wing rag, that says that Herschel Walker paid for an abortion in 2009 and they claim to have receipts and they claim to have a check and they claim to have you know, a a get well soon card from Herschel Walker to this alleged baby mama. But Herschel Walker is very pro-life. So there he is. He's a hypocrite and he killed a baby. That's what they're saying. Uh, Is it true or not? The closer to election day that these kinds of stories and attacks come out, the less credibility I think they have. This is what is called an October surprise. You wait on some really damning information until October in the hopes of killing the candidate. And also because if the news comes out in October, especially with early voting, then there's no time to fact check it. So they make these allegations. What do they say? Trump colluded with the Russians. He's a Russian stooge. He, he urinated on a prostitute in Moscow with the most ridiculous sort of things. And then, yeah, it comes out a couple of years later that that was all completely bogus, but it doesn't matter because the, the election takes place a month or two later. So I am skeptical of, of all this stuff. That Herschel was this, you know, knuckle-dragging, absolute terror of a father who put his whole family's life at risk. And, you know, that, I'm skeptical. Maybe, I I just don't know. I know that we've seen, in in other cases, Herschel's son seems to have a good relationship with his father and seems to be supportive. So, again, and I think it's really, really hideous of the libs and the Democrats to exploit the man's son this way, to turn the son against the father. Absolutely hideous. It would be hard for me to forgive that. But then, what about the abortion? I don't know. Again, I don't believe it because it's coming out so late. And I saw other reports that Herschel Walker had had children out of wedlock. And so, I, I, again, I don't know. I don't pay attention to this tabloid stuff. But it would be strange if you have kids out of wedlock already, why, why you would then say, no, we can't have any kids out of wedlock. I'm going to pay for an abortion or something. That, to me, is a little incoherent. But again, putting all of that aside, let's say it were true. Let's say on the very slight chance it were true. Obviously, that's a terrible sin. Obviously, the guy should should go confess his sins. I hope he's repented. I hope he's sincerely pro-life. But when it comes down to how I would vote, if I were citizen of Georgia, 
voting on election day and I were pro-life, that's no, that's no question. That's a no-brainer. Herschel Walker is running on a pro-life platform. Raphael Warnock is a radically pro-abortion politician. No matter what egregious sort of personal sin is in Herschel Walker's past, even if it did include an abortion, which again, I'm saying I don't, Herschel Walker denies it and I see no reason to trust the Daily Beast over Herschel Walker. But even if it were true, that's not a, that's not a hard decision for me. Okay, in the one case, we get a guy who maybe he's a hypocrite or maybe he's not a hypocrite. Maybe he actually just, like all of us, has standards and doesn't live up to them all the time. And he is, he is pro-life and will vote pro-life and supports life causes as a public figure. Or I got this crazy radical socialist pro-abortion guy who wants to kill all the babies. That's not hard for me. That's not a difficult. So I don't know that this attack totally lands. And I don't, see, I, I don't see how it moves the needle. People might be disappointed or they, or they, if they even believe it at all, they might just dismiss it. Herschel says that his fund, fundraisers went through the roof after this attack came out because they see it as being dishonest and unfair. Either way, I don't see how this really moves the needle for Warnock in Georgia. Speaking of the past, this is the saddest story. There have been a lot of sad stories recently. This is one of the saddest stories I've seen recently. Comes from McDonald's. I actually, this was really weird timing because the story just broke today. But last night, was it last night? I think it was. Or two nights ago. I was, I was getting back from a speech. It was two nights ago. I'm getting back from a speech. And I, I arrive late. I hadn't had dinner. And I say, okay, I'm getting a little Mac attack right now. I want to get a little double quarter pounder with cheese before I get home. It's late. Elisa's already had her dinner. Plus, I can sneak a little fast food, you know, and Lisa's not looking. Okay, great. So I, I pull up, and I see this weird thing on the menu at McDonald's. It says it's a, I forget what they called it, but it was some weird co-branding thing. And it looked, it looked like a Happy Meal, but it was clearly for adults. And it said limited edition, but it was that little box, you know, you used to get for the Happy Meals. I said, I don't know, whatever. Ordered my quarter pounder with cheese, went home, had a nice night. I find out today McDonald's is launching Happy Meals for adults. They say, quote, we're taking one of the most nostalgic McDonald's experiences and literally repackaging it in a way, literally, people use that word literally way too much, repackaging it in a new way that's hyper relevant for our adult fans. McDonald's USA Chief Marketing and Customer Experience Officer Tariq Hassan said in a press release, everyone remembers their first Happy Meal as a kid and the can't sit still feeling as you dug in to see what was inside. That little red box could turn a regular Tuesday into the best day ever. And now we're reimagining that experience in a whole new way, this time for adults. So what does it come with? It's in a box, similar kind of box, and you open it up. And instead of the tiny little cheeseburger, it's a Big Mac because you're supposed to be an adult now. And instead of the tiny little drink, it's a big size drink. Instead of the tiny little fries, it's bigger fries. And there's a toy. There, it comes with a toy. Because you're an adult, but you're in a stat. You're going to go back and relive that experience. This is so sad. Man, my generation is so freaking sad. It's the millennials are just, it's just pathetic. Because this generation just won't grow up. Yeah, I like nostalgic things. Yeah, when I think of the 90s, that, that, well, that was fun, 90s fashion. And boy, it was nice being a kid in some ways. Although, don't forget, nostalgia's history after a few drinks, okay? Wasn't really the way you remember it. But okay, why do I need to pretend to be a kid again? Why, are, why do millennials just, why won't millennials grow up? 
grow up, get married, have kids, get a normal job, grow up, man. Oh my gosh. Well, come on, Michael, don't be such a downer. You know, it's fun to relive your childhood. You know the crazy part, I agree with that. It is fun to relive your childhood. Do you know how you relive your childhood in a normal way? You have kids and then do things with them. It's so, it saddens me so much when I see my fellow millennials going to Disney World alone. Alone, not with kids, not even forget, let's say they can't have their own kids, not even with their nieces or nephews or no, not, nothing. They go alone and they go on the rides themselves. They're in their 30s. And then they go, what do they do? They go and get the Happy Meal and they, they try to collect all the little toys so they can put the toys next to their other toy collection in their overgrown child dystopia. Guys, grow up, man. Growing up is good. I know we all have this nostalgia for our past. Let me tell you something. Barring, you know, certain years people have bad things happen, traumas and things. But if you just, I'm saying year over year, I think my life has gotten better every single year of my life. I love it. I look forward to the future. I do not fear getting old. I love it. I look, I want to see my kids grow up. I want to, I want to continue to do work that I find important and that I want to build a life with my family. I don't want to return to the freaking playpen and play with little grimace toys and, and suck on my happy meal. Slurp up a little, you know, Coca-Cola and eat a cheeseburger. Okay. It's, you can do it with your kids. It's this, it, it reminds me of that song by uh, Kenny Loggins. You know, do you know the song Pooh, Back to Pooh Corner? So help me if you can, I've got to get back. And it's this whole thing about, he wrote it when he was graduating high school, how he was lost in the woods and he's got to get back to Pooh Corner. And what happened to Winnie the Pooh and all of his friends? I can't find them anymore. And he's coming to terms with leaving childhood and graduating high school and moving on and becoming an adult. He says, I just want to get back to Pooh Corner, but I can't because that's over now. I'm I've gone a little further today than I thought I could. And all right, I'm out of here, right? But then he revisits the song. He writes, after he had a kid, he, he writes another stanza. And he says, you know, I have made it back to Pooh Corner because I'm looking at my son right now playing with my old little toys. But we can't, we don't do that as millennials. We're, it's just, it's this generation of completely stunted growth. And it's really sad. And I, I don't know why. Was it a failure of our parents? Sure, blame your parents. Is it a failure of the economy? Okay, blame the economy. Is it a failure of the, it's everybody else's fault other than your own. Okay, fine. Blame whoever you want. I'm just telling you guys, well, I'm preaching to the choir with you, but I'm telling the people who are getting the adult happy meal, growing up is good. It's good. I know it's scary. And I know you don't, oh gosh, if I get married, then I won't be able to sleep with everyone else. You're right. Oh gosh, if I have kids, I'll, I'll have to be accountable and responsible. You, yes, you will. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's worth it. Growing up is worth it. When I was a child, I ate Happy Meals. When I became an adult, I put away childish things and I bought Happy Meals for my little kid. Okay. And for me, I buy double quarter pounders with cheese. Speaking of childish behavior, Howard Stern. Howard, you know, shock jock Howard Stern has, has just made headlines for leaving his house for the first time in two years. First time in two years. Do you know why? COVID. COVID. This is real. I didn't believe this at first. He, Howard Stern has not, had not left his house for two years. He's always been a germaphobe and he is just deathly, neurotically afraid of getting COVID. And so finally, some of his, his celebrity friends coaxed him out. He, he talked about this on, on his show. He said, 
I really had an exhausting weekend, emotionally, physically. For the first time in two years, I ventured out of the house. It was too much for me. It was too much. I haven't been out in two years. He said Jimmy Kimmel had been urging him to come out. He said Kimmel came over to visit him, and, and Stern has been demanding that whoever visits him take COVID tests before they come into the house. And the wife, Howard Stern's wife, wanted to leave, but Howard said, no, no. He said, I said to my wife before this dinner, I don't want to go. I'm in a panic. I don't want to get COVID. He said, F it. I know I'm being a wuss. I know I'm cleaning up the language a little. But for me, COVID is still going on and I haven't left my house. I can't figure out how to integrate myself. I've been locked up so long and I haven't gotten COVID. I'm afraid I'll be the one a-hole who gets COVID and I'll die. Even though people don't seem to be dying that much anymore, he's still so afraid. I know, I know people like this. I have friends and relatives who, who still really don't eat inside restaurants. They'll try to eat outside. Even if it's blistering hot, even if it's freezing cold, they just don't, they're just too, they're so neurotically afraid of COVID. And it's the same thing. It's the same impulse. Howard Stern is, is experiencing that the millennials who want to buy the adult Happy Meal are experiencing. It's just the, the refusal to accept life as it is, that you're born and you live and you die. And time moves on and we live in time and space and you don't get to freeze time forever and circumstances change, people get sick and time moves on. And you got to make good use of your time. Think about Howard Stern. Oh my gosh, he's lost two years of his life. Two years of it. Let's say Howard Stern lives to 90 years old. He'll, he'll really have lived for 88 years, right? Those two years, he's been hunkered down like a complete maniac. And I think about this with the overgrown children millennials who still want to, you know, who are still shocked when they, if they pay their own cell phone plan, which is uh, infrequent because a lot of them are on their family cell phone plans. But if they pay their own bills every now and again, they'll say, I'm adulting. I'm adulting as though they deserve a cookie for, for doing things that 30-year-olds that are expected to do. No. And you just think about, okay, they live to be 90 years old, but emotionally they're still 16. That's sad. They've missed a lot of their life. Yeah, they've missed the hard parts and the suffering and the prospect of sickness and the, the risk of death even. They've missed those things because they've been so coddled and they've been so, so uh, cautious and, and they've been so afraid to, to actually live. But they miss life too. That's what they've also missed. That's not good. We need to, we need to return to some semblance of normal. Okay, we, need to, we need to recognize sickness happens, suffering happens. It's okay. Responsibilities happen. You're not going to get to sleep as much when you get married and have kids. You're not, you have to work a little harder. You're going to have to make a little bit more money. Okay, that's fine. You're going to die someday. That's true. That's the way it is. Just don't, why would you live in constant fear of that? If you live, this is a trick of the devil, but if, the, if you live constantly harping on the past, whether out of anxiety or out of nostalgia, and, or if you live on the future and trying to protect that future so you never get sick and you never die or anything, you completely miss the present, which is the only place where you can actually live. You only live in the present. So either way, you spend all your life in the, thinking about the past, daydreaming or daydreaming about the future. You're not living in the present. Grow up. Not you. You know what you're doing. But the, these crazy people out there, they got to grow up. One part of growing up is you start shaving. This Monday, we will be celebrating one of my absolute favorite holidays, one of the left's least favorite holidays, Columbus Day. And while many woke companies will ignore or attempt to rebrand this holiday, Jeremy's Razors 
will honor it with an historic sale. From now through October 12th, you can purchase a Founders Series Shave Kit for 40% off plus free shipping. That's a 1% discount for each of the 40 Christopher Columbus statues that have been removed or destroyed in this country by illiterate buffoons. It's time to stand up and celebrate history in defiance of those who wish to cancel it. Stop giving your money to woke razor companies that hate you. Give it to Jeremy instead. Navigate your way to jeremysrazors.com. Enjoy a sale for the ages. Speaking of returning to normal, I mentioned yesterday that Elon Musk is, looks like he's going to actually be buying Twitter. What that means is the, the only thing that matters, forget about we can voice our views, we conservatives finally have a shot, forget about our follower counts, forget. It means that Trump can return. Elon Musk has already said, he said, I think banning Trump was a mistake because it alienated a large part of the country and did not ultimately result in Donald Trump not having a voice. He said the decision was morally bad. So it's not just that it was tactically sort of bad. He said it's morally bad. And he says that he would reverse the permanent ban. Now, this is complicated because Trump has said that even if the ban is lifted, he won't go back to Twitter. He'll remain on his own platform, which is Truth Social. And presumably when he signed on to Truth Social, it included some provisions in the contract that say he can't go back to Twitter or something, right? Because that would, that would really gut Truth Social, and Trump doesn't want to do that. So what's he going to do? He's in a really tough position right now. This is one of the toughest political positions Trump is in. The, the only one that's tougher is the COVID vaccines, because Donald Trump did allow Fauci to have more of a platform. Trump did not reopen the country after Easter, as he had sort of dangled out there that he could, which I think would have been amazing. Uh, he did get us the vaccines, which he has gotten a lot of credit for, but the vaccines have a lot of problems. And then there were vaccine mandates, not because of Trump. Trump didn't want to mandate them, but then the mandates came in later. And so Trump is in this tough position where a lot of his base, myself included, hates the lockdowns and doesn't like the vaccines. And he was one of the defenders of the vaccines, albeit not the mandate. So that's, it's just a, that's a tricky one for him to navigate. And then this one is tricky for him to navigate because... If he refuses to get back on Twitter, it looks like he's just privileging his private business interests over his political life, or it could look that way. And he would be limiting his reach because people just don't use Truth Social. The only reason people use Truth Social is to see what Trump is saying, and then they share it to other social media platforms. So I I read a bunch of Truth Social posts, but I read it, I I just really read what Trump writes, because I'm just interested in what he has to say. So... That's what happens if he just stays on Truth Social. But if he goes over to Twitter, one, it guts Truth Social, right? So this company just goes away. And two, it might be seen as though he's going back and playing by their rules. He said he wouldn't do it, and then he did it anyway. Now, where do I come down on this? I want him to have his Twitter again. He should do it. They don't want him to have Twitter. He will have a much broader reach if he's on Twitter. I want him to go back on Twitter. I think it it is likely to help him and his prospects in 2024, which are still very, very strong. He's atop the heap by a long shot. But especially in Florida, DeSantis now has a lead over Trump in a prospective 2024 presidential race. I think in the middle of the country, Trump is still just so much stronger and better known than DeSantis is. DeSantis just hasn't been around that long. Obviously, he doesn't have the name recognition that goes along with being a celebrity for 40 years and the president for one term. But 
still, if you're Trump, you got to be a little worried about that. And so, and then the most important reason I think Trump should go back on Twitter, I would find it very entertaining. I would love that. I would love it. I would get to retweet it a lot. And so I strongly encourage him to do that. Speaking of people running for president and Trump's prospects, Nikki Haley is headed out on tour with her new book, If You Want Something Done, Leadership Lessons from Bold Women. And as she's planning to campaign for a bunch of Republican candidates ahead of the midterm elections in November while she's on this book tour. And she has intimated that she's interested in running for president. She's been a little unclear about would she run, will she not run. She says she won't run if Trump runs, but then she's kind of positioning herself to run. You know she wants to run. So what does this tell me? Uh, whatever, uh, whatever it means about Nikki Haley's personal political career, it tells me that Trump is not quite as secure in the nomination as a lot of people think that he is. And the reason I say that is not because of what the politicians are saying. Virtually all the politicians are saying that they will not run if Trump runs. And yet they're all doing the sort of things that candidates do as they prepare to run. Pompeo seems to be preparing a presidential campaign. Mike Pence seems to be preparing a presidential campaign. Nikki Haley seems to be preparing a presidential campaign. Tim Scott's publisher got in a lot of trouble because the publisher wrote on a, on a book flap that was leaked that he is preparing a presidential campaign. Tim Scott also is doing the things that people would expect a candidate to do. So that's just four people right there. Do I think that those four people could beat Trump? No, I'm not saying that. But politicians, politicians whose names you know are very good at politics. They have made it to the very top of the heat. They are the varsity politicians. Okay, they are division one politicians. And so the very fact that they are positioning themselves in this way tells me that they, very astute political observers, at least think that there is some serious chance that Donald Trump either doesn't run or isn't strong enough to just completely dominate the field in 2024. More reasons for Trump, if he is going to run, to really start to get a little bit more aggressive about 2024. Now, who's going to run on the other side? People have been saying there's no way that Joe Biden runs, right? You, you, Kamala Harris is practically already running for president. She's trying to, not successfully. Pete Buttigieg, same thing. He is basically running for president already, and he and Kamala are trying to shiv one another. Uh, speaking of sharp objects, Mrs. Tomahawk, Senator Elizabeth Warren, clearly wants to run for president again. And then Gavin Newsom is running TV ads in Florida, so he is running for president. And he's saying he won't run if Biden runs, but again, he, he is beginning a campaign. Joe Biden says he's running. There was just another story came out from Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, very plugged in, Democrat extortion artist. He's been around for many decades. Al Sharpton says that Joe Biden told him, quote, I'm going to do it again as they posed for a shot in the Roosevelt room. He says, I'm going. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm running for president. So again, maybe it's just bluster. Maybe he doesn't want to be seen as a, an empty suit or a lame duck. But if I'm Joe Biden, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, look, I hate all of these people. I hate Kamala Harris. He hates Kamala Harris, right? Kamala Harris, whose presidential campaign, the best moment of it was when she called Joe Biden a racist who supported segregation. So Kamala hates her guts, doesn't want her to be president. Newsom, I don't know. I don't know what he thinks about Newsom. Buttigieg, he beat out Buttigieg. I don't think he cares that much about Buttigieg. Buttigieg also is not going to be president. I don't see him running any, or I don't see him winning anytime soon. 
Uh, and then Elizabeth Warren, I don't think he cares for her very much. The party, he doesn't really seem to like. And so it's possible that Joe Biden actually runs again, which would be freaking hilarious. It would be so funny. This guy is bad now. This guy has got no record to run on now. He's humiliates himself daily. The, the presidential race is two years away. Come on, man. Come on, Jack. I mean, what's he going to run on? Things just, things just keep getting worse. Marsha Blackburn had a great, great little monologue here. Just in, in just one minute, she distilled everything wrong with the Biden energy policy. What we know is the White House wants to say, well, this is a nuanced issue. There is nothing nuanced about being intentional mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Day one, declaring an end to the Keystone Pipeline, ending offshore, uh, putting a million acres in Alaska out of reach, no new leases, ending fracking, uh, drawing down the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at yeah. a billion barrels a day with no plans, I mean a million barrels a day, no plans to refill this. No plans. So, of course, the price is going up. And the interesting thing, OPEC will vote tomorrow right. about whether or not they want to limit production. And yeah. we have to bear in mind, we have no leverage with OPEC. Yep. The OPEC nations combined together are one of the top five holders of U.S. debt. Yep. We have no leverage and those prices in this fight. could go right back up. So succinct. Really, really articulate. Marsha Blackburn really just nails him right there. And these are urgent issues. Okay, these are issues I think that will matter in the midterms. You know, I'm as much of a culture warrior as they get. And I frequently point out the Democrats transing the kids and turning the freaking frogs gay. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally into the cultural issues. At this point in the campaign, I think the cultural issues are energizing the right people. And that's all there. For the people who are not paying a lot of attention to politics, who are sort of on, on sitting on the fence or who are not particularly partisan or ideological, these are real urgent issues. We are heading into winter. Gas prices are brutally high right now. Energy costs generally brutally high. It's about to get cold. It's going to be a long, cold winter. People are going to need to heat their homes. Okay, I'm thinking, the kind of voter I'm thinking about right now is that guy the other day when uh, after the hurricane in Florida, DeSantis was going around doing his kind of reconstruction tour. And this guy, he's wearing a wife beater, I think. He goes, man, you know, I'm, look, I'm a Democrat and everything, but I'm voting DeSantis. That guy is good. He showed up here. I like him. I, listen, I'm voting DeSantis. And he didn't really give much of a reason why, other than, yeah, he's kind of competent. He shows up. He cares, man. These other, these other guys are not competent, so I'll vote DeSantis. That guy, that voter is who Republicans have to reach. And there is beyond all the ideological issues. That's why the only thing Democrats are trying to talk about now is abortion. But abortion doesn't really motivate all that many people, pro-life or pro-choice. Uh, it, it doesn't really motivate people all that much. But they're really trying to make this this ideological battle. And the Republicans are the fascists and the threats to democracy and, and evil, terrible, no good, rotten conspiracy theorists. And I, I think there's a really important argument that the Republicans have to make, which is just like, yeah, okay, all that's BS or whatever. Talk about those issues if you want. Also, everything that the Democrats are touching is turning to absolute ash. Okay, everything that they're touching. Before, actually, before we get, I want to get to the member block. Before we get to it, though, Pete Buttigieg, 
totally summed this up. Poor Pete Buttigieg obviously wants to run for president. He is the uh, transportation secretary. He goes on TV because he's been trying to get everyone to buy Teslas. You got to buy electric cars. Go buy electric vehicles. That's going to solve the. You can't afford $7 a gallon gasoline. Well, buy a $50,000 Tesla. What? What's so? Well, you guys are such dummies. Just go out there and buy a $100,000 car. <laughs> Because, because you can't afford to put gas in your 98 Chevy. Okay, yeah, that's a great idea, Pete Buttigieg. Thanks. He, he now, after the rolling blackouts, after the threats to the, the electrical grid, in, especially in the liberal states, he was asked, okay, are, really, are you suggesting electrical vehicles? That's, that's really the way we're going to go into the future? He says, absolutely no time like the present. Much of the power was out across half the state of Florida for a while. Much of it is resumed, sir. But uh, it did make some folks think, boy, these electric vehicles that are being pushed between what happened in Florida and the grid that was compromised to the point where California Governor Newsom wanted people to cool it for a while uh, on when and how often they charge their EVs. Do you think this reminds folks that we're not ready or the EVs are not ready for prime time? Well, actually, I think this is a great example of one of the many benefits of, of those tools. Uh, you know, I was just at the Detroit Auto Show a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the things that was very impressive about some of the vehicles that we saw, uh, including, the, uh, for example, the, the pickup trucks that, that are on the market, entering onto the market right now, is that their power can actually flow both ways. So in an extreme event, from a neighborhood resiliency perspective, they can actually work basically like a generator, except that you don't have to have a, a diesel ready for them. What they're doing is they're using the battery capacity to, uh, uh, to power a home, or, and, and in that sense could be very useful in a scenario like this. You gotta give Pete Buttigieg credit for cleverness. He's got that just sort of Harvard, McKinsey, smarmy little answer for everything that's not totally convincing, but it's at least articulate enough. She's like, actually, no, it's really great. As the power grids are failing in the blue states, it's actually really great to have an electric car because you can't charge it, but the car can charge your toaster or whatever, your cell phone. So it it works in reverse. Yeah, it can work in reverse. The problem is the car's dead. (laughs) Yeah, the, the problem is during the last power grid failures in California, people couldn't power their car. So they didn't have any power in the electric car. The car was out of power. That's why they had to plug in dirty, filthy fossil fuel generators into the car to charge the car. Yeah, it's great. If the car were charged, then you could use it to charge your other things in a blackout. It's like saying, if I had some ham, I could have ham and eggs if I had some eggs. Yeah, it's a lot of ifs, buddy. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Okay, the rest of the show is continuing now. You do not want to miss it, we've got fake headlines. We've got the real headlines from the week. There's one fake headline in there. The producers have sent these to me. You have to guess, and then I have to guess which the fake headline is. I've been on a roll so far. We will see uh, how it is going over at the member block. See you there.